What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio. My name is Sean. I'm your host, and hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday weekend, including maybe getting some good deals on some Black Friday stuff if you uh, braved it out there in the retail stores. Otherwise, if you didn't, we are back to uh, another Cyber Monday here. So uh, lots of deals. I'm sure your inbox is as flooded as mine. I think I had 117 emails this morning and they just keep coming in. So uh, I just kind of uh, browse through them pretty quick and see if there's anything interesting that catches my eye. But uh, I'm not going to get too deep into the Cyber Monday deals today. You guys have already been bombarded with that enough in your email inboxes. So uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into today's tech download for Monday, November 27th, 2017. So I know I said I wasn't going to get too carried away with talking about the Cyber Monday sales that are going on, but I did want to mention one of the best Cyber Monday deals I've seen in a long time and definitely the best one uh, I've seen so far on this particular Cyber Monday, and that is the Essential Phone has an incredible deal going through on Amazon right now, and it is $399 for the Essential Phone along with the 360-degree camera attachment. Now, just a few months ago, that combo would have been well over $850. And then uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I did a story about the Essential Phone's price drop, which brought it down to $499. Uh, but now we're looking at $399, including the camera attachment, which is normally $179 add-on. So um, very cool, very good deal. And you know, if you guys didn't listen to my review here on uh, Gadget Reason, I'll leave a link to it in uh, this segment here uh, and in the, the show notes if you're listening via the podcast. But the Essential Phone, I thought, was one of the best and most well-made devices uh, of this current crop of sort of flagship smartphones that has come out in the past couple of months. And I still stand by that. It's a great phone. It's got a solid display, great performance, incredible build qualities. It feels really good in the hand. And I just thought it was a really good phone. And I just thought it was a little bit overpriced. So if you can grab one for $399 with the 360 camera attachment, which is, which is pretty cool to play with, uh, I would definitely jump on that if you're in the market for a new smartphone or if maybe somebody in your family is looking for a new smartphone and you're thinking maybe for a Christmas gift. So great deal. Uh, definitely jump on it if you're interested. So yeah, great Cyber Monday deal there. Just a few short weeks ago, Tesla unveiled one of its latest electric vehicles, which was, of course, the Tesla semi-truck, and we all knew that it was probably going to be a little bit more on the pricey side. Well, after today, we now have a little bit better idea of exactly what those semi-trucks are going to cost. Now, if you remember, Walmart had announced that they had pre-ordered 15 of these Tesla semis uh, almost immediately after they were unveiled, Uh, but we really didn't have a good idea of exactly what a pre-order for these might cost or how expensive they were going to be. But a report today says that the base price of a 300 mile range Tesla semi is around $150,000 and the 500 mile range model costs about 180 grand. That's almost double the price of a traditional semi truck. According to Cost Owl, semi trucks start at about $80,000 but can cost as much as $150,000 when all decked out with all the bells and whistles. Now to reserve a spot on the Tesla semi delivery list, you also need to put down $20,000 deposit and you can reserve a founder series truck for an insane $200,000, which uh, if you wanna do that, the reservation is gonna cost you the full 200K. So 
Obviously, these are going to be a little bit more expensive than your typical diesel fuel truck, and I think everybody expected that. So I'm not exactly sure, uh, as I'm not somebody who has to frequently think about purchasing a semi truck, I'm not exactly sure if the cost savings of operating a traditional diesel or fossil fueled semi truck would be offset by going all electric. Um, so that's a question that I would be curious uh, to ask, you know, anybody who's involved in this industry. But I think, you know, that's pretty uh, spot on to what I was expecting it to cost. But yeah, so now we know the information on that. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly Tesla can deliver these because uh, one of the big areas where Tesla receives a lot of criticism is in constantly sort of uh, living off of pre-order sales as revenue and uh, obviously taking a long time to deliver products to, cons to consumers and in many cases falling pretty far behind original uh, sales and shipping dates. So that is the update for the Tesla Semi. If you've tuned into the channel on a regular basis, you've probably heard me mention Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies from time to time. I find them extremely fascinating. I, I think the entire uh, idea of a decentralized um, currency or monetary system is, is really fascinating and the idea of digital cryptocurrencies just really appeals to me. Um, but everywhere you turn lately, there is more and more news about cryptos or Bitcoin. And uh, obviously over this past holiday weekend, if you pay attention, uh, you would have seen that Bitcoin hit yet another all-time high, breaking the $9,000 per coin mark. And uh, there just doesn't seem to be too many signs of Bitcoin slowing down anytime soon. Uh, but you never know. But anyway, there's a story that came out today talking about the actual process that it requires or the processing power, I should say, that it requires to mine Bitcoin. And currently, Bitcoin mining now consumes more electricity a year than Ireland. So uh, if that's any indication of exactly how popular and how large of a scale Bitcoin has become in a relatively short period of time, um, I don't know what is. So um, to, to think of the fact that there's these mining farms and these centralized mining operations with you know warehouses filled with computers doing nothing but mining Bitcoin all around the world and that they're now all combined using more electricity than an entire country is pretty fascinating. So... Um, the report goes on to detail that each individual Bitcoin transaction uses almost 300 kilowatt hours of electricity, which is enough to boil around 36,000 kettles of water. Although the power consumption of other payment networks is harder to isolate, one of Visa's two U.S. data centers reportedly runs on about 2% of the power required by Bitcoin. So this is interesting for a couple of reasons, because one of the things that uh, Bitcoin or one of the problems Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are trying to solve is faster and more efficient transactions. But obviously, this report would indicate that there's um, not a whole lot of efficiency going on, when, at least not from the electricity standpoint, when it comes to verifying and or mining these uh, these transactions. So it's going to be interesting to see if other cryptocurrencies that are claiming to be much more efficient per block than than Bitcoin will have better results. So Litecoin, you know, is uh, now implementing the Lightning Network. And there's a lot of other cryptocurrencies that are um, said to be easier and easier and more efficient to mine. So I'll, I'd be curious to see how those stack up against more traditional um, you know, systems like Visa and MasterCard. But uh, for now, uh, it looks like Bitcoin has some work to do to be getting a little bit more efficient in terms of how much electricity is needed to actually make these transactions viable. Mr. Sean Alfanito, aka Team Gadget Reason, aka the Gadget Reason Station. What is good, my man? Chris Dell here from Go Baller FFS. Just wanted to check in, say hope all is well, sending love from our station to yours. 
It's been a blast having you in our official Anchor Fantasy Football League this year. And hopefully we can do it again next year. Maybe sweeten that pot a little bit, if you know what I mean. But anyways, man, I just want to say, hey, you even got a guy on IR in your lineup. And you're, you're still sitting at 7-4. and four. I'm struggling to get in the friggin' playoffs, man. But anyways, nah, man, all jokes aside, uh, let's all get our lineup set up for these playoffs coming up. They're going to be starting here in the next two weeks. And uh, any sports topics, man, that you're burning on recently, that you're passionate about, favorite team, favorite player, et cetera, something in the news, definitely don't hesitate to reach out and call into our station. My father and I, Mr. Allendale, the Godfather, we'd love to get the sports conversation going back with you. And, uh, yeah, man, just send in love. Hope all is well. Have a great rest of your weekend. Peace out. Every year when a new crop of smartphones comes out, one of the biggest tests and one of the biggest areas of competition is to see who has the best camera. And in the case of the iPhone X, one of its most touted features was the fact that the telephoto lens this year now has a much wider aperture than the 6 Plus and 7 Plus before it. Now what this means to regular consumers like you and I is that when you try to use the 2X feature on the iPhone X, you should get much better results in low light than what you got on the 7 Plus. Now there was a report that came out I think last year talking about how in many scenarios, even though you might be hitting that 2X button on your 6 Plus or 7 Plus, in certain low light scenarios, the phone software would actually default to using a digital zoom and cropping as opposed to actually using that optical zoom like you were anticipating. And this turned off a lot of camera enthusiasts but Apple's argument or their defense was why do you care how the picture gets taken if you get the best results possible? Now with the wider aperture on the iPhone 10, uh, 9 to 5 Mac actually did a test to find out if this would actually correct that issue and allow the camera to actually stick to using the true optical 2x lens as opposed to using a, an optical zoom with a crop. Now uh, they did a test where they put an iPhone 7 Plus and an iPhone 10 on a tripod and took the same photos in the same exact lighting scenario and indeed the iPhone 10 did do a much better job as it actually used those two stops extra of light to be able to capture and actually use the 2x lens to get the photo as opposed to using a zoom and crop feature. So in theory this means you should be able to get much better telephoto zoom photos from your iPhone 10 because you're actually getting that true optical lens using the zoom as opposed to using a digital zoom and using the standard wide angle lens. So in my personal testing, I feel like the iPhone 10 definitely does do much better in terms of the quality of pictures from the uh, optical 2x zoom, but in many cases, it's actually for a very different reason. The, the optical image stabilization that's been applied to the iPhone X's telephoto lens this time around has really made it much easier to get nice, clean, crisp, sharp shots using the telephoto zoom, especially in variable levels of low light. So in the previous iPhone 6 Plus and 7 Plus, I always had a hard time using the 2x zoom because it had to be in a bright, sunny, sort of a, a perfect, ideal lighting scenario to be able to get a fast enough shutter speed to get a nice sharp image. In most other cases, I usually would just not use it at all because it was too difficult to get a really clean and noise-free image. If you want the specifics on exactly what light measurements were used for the test and other factors, I'll leave a link to the 9to5 article in the description of this segment, and I'll leave it in the show notes of this episode if you're listening via the podcast.
In some other iPhone 10 related news, shipping times for the iPhone 10 have continued to improve, now showing shipping times of about one to two weeks down from the previous six to eight weeks upon its initial launch. Now this has led many people to start speculating that the demand for the iPhone 10 maybe has already peaked and now isn't in as high a demand as originally anticipated. But some popular uh, Apple analysts like KGI have reported that that is just not the case. Apple is reportedly still selling iPhone 10s like hotcakes. It's just that the supply chain systems and some of the manufacturing issues have been overcome, which means that they're getting higher yields and producing more iPhones per week than they were when it first launched. Due to various different manufacturing issues and supply chain problems, Apple was reportedly only able to produce 150,000 units a day in the weeks leading up to the launch. That number has now ballooned all the way up to 550,000 iPhone 10s per day, and obviously that's going to increase the number of iPhones available to purchase. So if you're interested in getting an iPhone 10 still and you weren't interested in placing an order and waiting several weeks, you can now be assured that if you place an order in the next few days, you'll probably get it before Christmas. Most people probably know the Winklevoss twins through the movie The Social Network, the 2010 film about the rise of Facebook, in which they were kind of demonized, or I guess depending on what side of the fence you believe, uh, but they were referred to as the Winklevi, and uh, it was kind of amusing and everybody got a kick out of it. But a lot of people don't realize that the Winklevoss twins have gone on to become pretty major investors in many different areas, uh, and including Bitcoin. Now, uh, back about uh, eight or nine years ago, they famously posted on Reddit that they had actually accumulated about 1% of all of the Bitcoin in circulation. Now, if you were to look at that in today's numbers, that would basically mean that the Winklevoss twins have about 120,000 Bitcoin. Now, over this past weekend, Bitcoin blew up all the way to about $9,600, meaning that Tyler and Cameron now have a Bitcoin wallet worth about $1.16 billion. Now to take that even a step further, if you go back and look at what prices for Bitcoin was selling for in about 2010, that would mean that they either could have bought in at around eight cents, which would have been about $10,000 worth of an investment, or let's just say conservatively that they didn't buy in when it was initially launched, but maybe they bought it at 50 cents per Bitcoin. Maybe they spent about $60,000, but any way you shake it, they made probably a relatively small investment, especially for two guys that got 65 million dollars in a settlement from Facebook um, to now have that turned into something that's worth over a billion dollars. It's pretty unbelievable. If you're an Apple iOS user and you happen to use Google Docs, you should be pretty excited about the latest update for iPhone 10, as well as for the latest version of iOS 11 for iPad, adds features to support both of those products. So it now has full screen support for the iPhone 10's larger display and the notch, if that still bothers you, as well as being able to support drag and drop on the iPad. I absolutely love the drag and drop feature on the iPad Pro, and uh, I definitely find it to be much more um, acceptable to use sort of business or productivity products now. But I have to admit, over the past couple of years, I've really started to rely more on Apple's own software suite for business apps like um, Pages, Numbers, and Keynote, um, just because I like the way the interfaces run, and they just feel a little bit more robust in terms of being more like Excel and Word. So, um, but if if you're still an avid uh, Google Docs user, then you should definitely download the update today. 
It looks like the battle for the richest man between Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos is continuing on, but it looks like uh, the Amazon founder is benefiting from a solid Black Friday slash Cyber Monday weekend and is now uh, the world's richest man once again, breaking the $100 billion mark. Bill Gates was the first person to reach the 12-figure net worth back in 1999, and Jeff Bezos is the only person besides him to have achieved a net worth of more than $100 billion. Now, obviously, most of Jeff Bezos' net worth is tied directly to the value of Amazon stock, so he doesn't have $100 billion sitting in a bank account somewhere, and it's probably very likely that in the next few days, the stock will cool a little bit and see a little bit of a pullback, and his net worth will recede back to a sub $100 billion. But either way, I think he's doing just fine, and he should have a very Merry Christmas. And that's going to do it for another edition of the Tech Download here on Gadget Reason Radio. Thanks again for listening, and thanks to everybody that continues to favorite the station and tune in every day and each and every week. And thanks to everybody who subscribed via the podcast as well. If you haven't already, consider favoriting the station so you can get more content like this as it comes through each and every day or throughout the week. And uh, that's going to do it for me. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. And that's going to do it for another edition of the Tech Download here on Gadget Reason Radio. Thanks again for listening, and thanks to everybody that continues to favorite the station and tune in every day and each and every week. And thanks to everybody who subscribed via the podcast as well. If you haven't already, consider favoriting the station so you can get more content like this as it comes through each and every day or throughout the week. And uh, that's going to do it for me. I will talk to you guys tomorrow.